What's up, y'all? It's Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show on Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. Hello and thank you once again for downloading and listening to another episode of the Ricket and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. My name is Clive and I'm joined by the returning Ricky. Welcome back, sir. It's good to see Yay. you and hear you. Yay! Pop the balloons and party bangers. Oh, this is where if we had like sound effects we would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, good to be back. Yes. Been a while, been a while. Health in 2020 just does not, is not relenting at all. Um, it is relentless, but I am here. For for the moment, anyway. For the moment, I'm probably going to make the first half of the podcast, maybe, and then I'll need to, I'll need to leave. But that, I'm here. That's fine. Uh, we're joined by regular contributor to the show. Now, um collaborator of columns and just general all-round good guy it's uh carl Irvin. W- welcome carl how you doing well uh hey guys how you doing <laughs> <laughs> you like my car you like my carl uh like my my, my carl uh, impression it, redneck Carl impression. It reminded me of. Well, uh, let me tell you something, guys. It, it reminded me of Richard Pryor's impression of a white man. So all black people doing white men impressions sound exactly the same because we don't know what they sound like. But do you not think Tiger Woods sounds like a white man? Tiger Woods is different because see, Tiger Woods comes from a different area in a different place. Okay. Tiger Woods is so white. So he sounds. Well, no, Tiger Woods is black. <laughs> Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods' bank account is white. Yes, his tax bracket is white. Absolutely, but uh, no. Tiger's half black, half um, what is it? Is it Chinese? Malaysian, Malaysian, Chinese, Malaysian, Malaysian. Yes. I thought it was half tiger, but never mind. I mean, I mean, well, you know, your, your boy OJ said, "I'm not black, I'm OJ." So if he could be OJ, then Tiger could be Tiger. <laughs> right. Due to the potential for Ricky having to depart early doors, we're going to kick things off with the return of our 64 wrestler best ever wrestler bracketology thing. Last time well, we... hold on. Let the people know it's really not Carl. It's Rance. It's Ray. Oh, it's me. Well, they'll have read... Yeah, for the record. They'll have read the show notes, so they'll know what the score is. I just need people to understand. I'd like to, you think, know, I'd like to think they would recognise your voice by now as well. I would hope so, but there are those who have never heard Carl because Carl didn't show up for like six years. So they might think that we just sound alike. No, this is the black guy, not the white guy. <laughs> Welcome, Rance. Thank you. Okay, so, bracketology. We came up with, let me just double check, 23 names last time, all from WWE slash NXT, who we feel has been the best performers over the last decade. 
even if it is a snapshot of that decade, but their stock was so high for that time that we thought it would be remiss of us not to add them. So, um, we're at number 24. We had a quick discussion about this all fair, and we thought, right, let's just start discussing it on air. So, Rancy, are you happy to provide some input in this? We're going to maybe go for 21 names. How does that sound for you? Uh, yeah, I'm game, always. I mean, if he's not going to put in, give any input, then just take him out of the call right now. Damn! <laughs> you don't want to leave him, hold up! <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I got kicked out before the show even really got started. Mm-hmm. Damn. That's that's a record for you being kicked off a show, is it not? <laughs> that's true. Normally I go about halfway. <laughs> so five minutes in is a brand new record for me. I'll be on down show. Well clearly it wasn't my show. <laughs> clearly. Uh nice wee nod to twenty eighteen there. Was it twenty eighteen? The good old days. The good old days when you could do a podcast with somebody, become friends, and then kicked off the show simultaneously at the same time. <laughs> good old days. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> now, there were two names that Ricky and I thought of that we're going to add into the AEW slash indie portion of the 64th wrestler bracketology. And those two names were John Moxley and Chris Jericho. Because, okay, John Moxley's and Jericho have only recently become out with WWE. They did a hell of a body of work in those 10 years. So, does anyone yeah. have any gripes about those guys being in? No. No. Well, you, 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 you could put them both in based on purely what they've done in WWE alone. Mm-hmm. Um, hell, even if you wanted, you could probably put Jericho in just purely based on the last like two or three years. Um, no, I've got. I've, I think there's about four or five people that I think we can all just quickly put down and be like, yep, 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 yep. There's no debate. Um, and those other ones would be Omega, mm-hmm. the Bucks, I like Cody, and uh, I don't like this one, but. I would probably have to say Jay Lethal. Alright, okay. Hmm. Ten years? Okay. But you know, putting think... Lethal in putting Lethal in brings some questions about some other Ring of Honor guys that don't get enough love. And that's, uh, that's the thing. I think I would... So I think what we spoke about last time was like, you know, like, for instance, if you look at Punk, now Punk hasn't wrestled in what, like, was it like 2013? What was it like? 2013 or whatever. 2014. 2014 is when he quit. He's only got four years, but as we say at the time, the peak was that damn high. It doesn't matter if he's not been here for six years. So I think I think Lethal. I'm not saying he had the same kind of peak or anything, but I think he's he's hit a level. It's been it's been pretty consistent, and pretty high. I'm, I'm open to debate. Like I, I mean, I don't care if he's not on the list, but. I think he's definitely worth the consideration and he might be one that we might add on at the end if we're struggling for numbers. What do you think, Rance, with Jay Lethal? Or do you have any issues with Omega, the Bucks and Cody? I don't have any issues with Omega, the Bucks or Cody. I'd put them in before I'd put Moxley and Jericho in under this category because Omega, the Bucks and Cody have been indie wrestling for the past five years. Mm -hmm. Longer. Um... 
So, yeah, no problems with those. I don't have a qualm with Jay Lethal other than this. Jay Lethal being put in while deserving on paper breeds a very low entrance rate. Because if you put guys like Lethal in, then and I don't, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but you have to you have to think about guys like Matt Taven, guys like Marty Skrull, guys, you know, like I'm just thinking of guys like guys like Jay Briscoe. If we're talking, you know, or the Briscoes in general, if we're talking Jay Lethal, because Ring of Honor is so low on the totem pole, and Jay mm-hmm. Lethal has only really been in in uh, Ring of Honor for the majority of the past ten years. So I just, I just that breeds a very low entrance rate, where that you know putting him in so early might lead us to put people in that might not be deserving as some other people. Yeah. I like I would happily leave Jay Lethal to like the seventeen, eighteen the back end of it was just a name. Marty Scurll was the other one I had in mind. I think that one I think there's some merit there, but I think we need to we need to put the like bona fide certainties in first before we look at those people. Um, sure. And, and for the record, day, there's no Skrull without Asprey. For the record. Yep. You can't you can't think of one without the other. I think the other one that I I suppose it could fall into the same bracket as Jay Lethal would be Magnus slash Nick Aldis. I think he's a, I think he's a given. That's yeah. a good show. I don't know about I you guys. Loved, I love these stuff in Impact. I absolutely love these stuff in Impact or TNA, whatever it was known then. But he's single-handedly held together a company in NWA. Mm-hmm. The reason they're still a company is strictly because of him. Because of his tour? Yeah. The tour and what, is, what did they call it? The what's it, what you call? What was it called, uh, Clive? Yeah. The the expedition of gold or the twelve pounds of something yeah. something with gold. It in twelve it. pounds of gold. So, I definitely that twelve pounds of gold certainly sounds. Um, yeah, I mean, let me Google it. The expedition of gold actually brings up someone who I think should be in with a shout. Uh, obviously, things are a bit different within the last few months, but Matt Hardy. He peaked in a big bad way at the end of 2016 with his broken gimmick and that transferred over onto WWE as well. It was very successful at the start. Came back in, tag title reign straight away. Like, is is the, the broken gimmick in TNA enough of a peak for him to be considered? I think it was so outrageously great. So you'd be happy with him being in the, the bracket? Not sure. Well, Oof. I'm just not Ooh. sure. Ooh. I'm not sure about that. Well, can, can I argue the, the, for him real quick? Mm-hmm. We're talking the entire 10 years, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. But if they've had a very high peak. Sure. Well, Matt Hardy is a former TNA champion. I believe two-time. In that... In that uh, during that argument, he... We forget his run in Ring of Honor as a singles guy, Big Money Matt, which helped them stay afloat for a while. That counts, I think. And more important than anything else, the Broken Universe and him doing that gimmick changed the scene of wrestling. Mm -hmm. Look at how much cinematic wrestling is going on now. Matt Hardy is the forefather for that. So I think I, th- I like that that name. I think it's I think he is uh, a shoe in in my opinion. Your thoughts, Ricky? Yeah, I'll, I'll take them. 
Okay, well, so I'll so, put them so in. Who just have we got so far? Jericho, Moxley, Omega, Bucks, Cody, Aldis, and M- Matt Hardy. Seven. Yep. Now we were talking about off air about a certain someone, and Skrull has been mentioned. What are we going to do with people who have recently been outed as pieces of shit? Tessa Blanchard, you're talking about? Tessa Blanchard, Skrull. So the question is, is this a list based purely on merit, or is this a list based on how we feel about them? Because if it's purely based on merit, then I don't think our opinions should matter. True, because CM Punk's on the list and he has a bit of a... Oh. He's a he's a he's a he is, but he's also not a rampant racist though. No. Um. And he doesn't get paid to do shits. And Look, I don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't of. like her. Um, but she was in stardom for about a year, maybe longer. She was. She been a two-timer. Certainly was knockout uh, TNA knockout champion. Obviously TNA world heavyweight. I think that sort of general four-year stretch, and obviously being TNA world champion, she'd done something that's not been done before. Yeah, she was in Wow. Don't forget Wow superheroes. She was their champion. Might not like her, but I think she's okay. Right, fine. I would, as Ryan says, let's put how we feel about the individual to one side Okay then. and we look at it purely from a wrestling aspect and okay I would I wouldn't have any issue with her being in it ok right I'll put her in then Um, who was I going to say there Skrull (laughs) I don't know enough of his career to say that he should be a shoe in and, well, he, him and him and Hangman are so associated with the elite that, and Hangman is fantastic. Hangman might be the best wrestler of all of the names we've named, but in terms of like what they've done and accomplished, I don't think either neither Skrull nor uh, Hangman deserve to be on the list. While Skrull is legendarily good in, as far as title reigns as a junior, like in New Japan and things of that nature. I don't know that his top-level wrestling accomplishments warrant him being on the list, neither him or Hangman. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think like prominent wrestlers and in, in, in really loved, but have they done enough to get on the list? Um, someone who I think is a guarantee certainty, Gail Kim. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about Awesome Kong? I've been stated enough, long enough. What was that, sorry? Awesome Kong. <sighs> she had a quiet few years. But in those years, she has been on a TV show. A wrestling TV um, show at that. What about the Good Brothers? Hmm. Now, I was listening to The Edge the other day and Rance isn't a big fan of the the unit that is Anderson and Gallows. Mm-mm. 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 
But I think if you look at what they've done... What have they done? Well, held, was it the Raw Smackdown tag titles twice, if they're not um, two or three-time IWGP tag team champions? Um, Isn't that alone maybe worthy enough for consideration? I'll give you consideration just because, again... Because of the fact that I think while they as a team ain't like anybody can win IWGP heavyweight tag championships. They don't have no tag teams, <laughs> you know, but but their importance to the probably the most important faction faction, like true faction, not mm-hmm. like stable of the past 10 years is like you, you can't think of the Bullet Club without those two. In fact, Gallows owns Bullet Club, mm-hmm. um, I believe. Uh, but they just I don't if you're talking tag teams, we there's a lot more tag teams and what is GOD's more deserving of of being lamed here than I think Gallows and Anderson. Uh I just I don't like them together. They're entertaining, but they don't do anything of note to me. I kind of agree with that, but they they do have a quite the resume to their name. Well, we'll put think, a star by well, them. We, I'm okay with it we, if you we, if you guys are. We can put them next to uh, Jay Lethal and discuss it. Right. What about um, FTR? Now, funnily enough, I was going to mention them. I think they have to be. If we're putting tag teams in, yes, I think they are deserving. Sure. I I have a name for you guys. Are we all are we all good with FTR? I am. I, I, part of me just thinks that's the 2017-2018 run bias. But also, but that run was so damn great. And like, I know, I'm it not, was. I, don't, I know we're not, we're not going to start bashing stuff, but I actually like the way they've been booked in AEW, and now they're the tag team champs there. There were multiple tag team champs when it came to Raw and SmackDown as well. Like, and I, as I, I keep saying, like I know this might not factor into it, right? but there's a difference between booking and just like actual how great of an end of like tag team mm-hmm. you are so mm-hmm. yeah people talk about oh FTR not that great no no hold on they still have been in the last five or six years like one of the top if not the best but certainly the top three but we're talking about booking we're not talking about them in terms of ring IQ ring psychology ability to put on a great match etc like I just think they have to be in there I mean I am fine with it from a bias point of view, but looking at it from that side of things, we added in Champa, and there was a, a bias with that as well. So, if you guys are fine with FTR, I'm fine with it too. I, I'm just, I'm really, and this isn't fair. I know this isn't fair, and this is y'all's list. So, take my opinion last. I'm iffy on tag teams because. I don't know how much we're we are not in an era of tag teams anymore. AEW's trying to bring that back. Kudos to them for doing so. But so like this isn't the era where, where uh, except for the Bucks, this isn't an era where tag teams like are running are like the top draws in promotions or the top draws on the indies. Like tag teams are just what they are in WWE almost. You know, like uh, another addition to the card. Mm-hmm. So like while FTR is fantastic and the Good Brothers are entertaining and have and have done 
decently high level stuff. You put them on a list with people like Jericho and Moxley and Cody and Nick Aldis. It just doesn't add up to me. But again, that's maybe my bias. It doesn't, but I also think that we have to have spaces in here for tag teams because I think, okay. I think you know, like as great as say people like the Bucks or Usos or New Day or whoever it may be, but well, if you sit and compare them to say Roman or Okada or Seth, etc., you're like, well, you know what, like you guys won't get a look in, kind of thing. Um, I, I think I think we need to try and find that balance between fitting people in that we feel deserve to get in, uh-huh. along with like I also want to get tag teams and women's women in there as well because I think I think if we'd done just six to four wrestlers singles, I think we could easily fill that out without having women wrestlers and tag team wrestlers, and you can still look at the list and say that's still a pretty great list. I agree. Yeah. And when it comes to when it comes to doing the bracketology, and it's say for instance it does end up being FTR versus what Bailey in a random bracketeering thing, bracketeering that's something else entirely. Uh, you've just got to base it on the merits. It's not it's not intergender. It's not handicap. It's yeah. just the yeah. entity itself. That's what you're comparing and contrasting. Oh, we're going to get some like we're going to get like fucking. Okada versus Roman in round one. You're like, God, <laughs> we're just going to get some outrageous matchups in round one. The other name that um, I find interesting that we can talk about is um, Pac. No. <laughs> would, would you not lump in with, what's his face, Jay Lethal for the time being? What has he done? He... In, in in ten years, his his highlight, his his career highlight, is being a cruiserweight champion. But that was so good, though. It was so good. It was it was fantastic. But again, we're talking. I'm not thinking about in, in, in terms of personal enjoyment. Yeah, hell yeah, he deserves to be on this list. He's better than damn everybody on this list in ring. But in terms of, I'm looking at this strictly. I'm looking at it as if from the way you guys have brought it to me, as if I'm a general manager picking the new striker for the Celtic or the new point guard. Like, I can't put bias in this, right? So I'm looking at just what he's accomplished. The Cruiserweight title is the fifth most important title on that brand. He couldn't even so, get on pay-per-views. So I will I will try and counter that um, in the sense that we kind of spoke about the Bucks. Uh, not sorry, Aldis. Mm. He was the Cruiserweight division for like 18 months or so and I think remember his stuff in NXT um, he was also NXT champion NXT tag team champion he was also um, wasn't he United States champs as well at one point who are you no, talking he about the, the, he's talking about Pac Neville the, yeah. the only the only main roster championship he ever won was the Cruiserweight Championship crazy oh, do you ridiculous what no I would lump him next to Jay Lethal and I think we'd come back to it and see if we're able to fill, okay. fill it out. Uh, uh, Rance, have you got any names? Because I've got two that I'd like to posit. I definitely have one I think that I would put as a guarantee what you, you guys might think differently. Okay. Pentagon Jr. <laughs> I was going to say him anyway. <laughs> put him down. Triple, AAA Mega Champion. I think he was AAA Heavyweight Champion a few times. TNA World Champion. Lucha Underground champion. 
See as well, see the Lucha Underground stuff, and I know this is a bizarre comparison to make because the optics are vastly different, but Pentagon was the, he was the Steve Austin of Lucha Underground. Absolutely. He was that badass anti-hero who took no prisoners, beat everyone up, and it was always the bosses that fucked him over. Like, he was Steve Austin. Absolutely. Pentagon Zero Dark Thirty then. And yeah, right. Pentagon Zero twenty five thousand. Pent- Pentagon got more names than our truth has names for the title. <laughs> the only other person, real quick, that comes to my mind, and I guess I'm on a lucha kick today, is Roosh, two time Ring of Honor champion, won every title damn near in Mexico. He started Los Ingrenables and then started Lij. What did you guys think? The fact that he started those things, the two factions, that gives me pause for thought. Ricky? Who was your other? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with him being in it. Oh, straight Who away? Not even the maybe? No, not even the maybe? No, 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 no. Okay. No issues whatsoever. My other one was, now, it's a weird one because the last few years have not done much of note. But just for a constant in the Indies over the last 10 years, most of the last 10 years, Chris Hero? He's the king of the Indies. Yeah, yeah. He's the, the king of the Indies, yeah. He's the only wrestler that would be on this list that was hurt by going to WWE. Because mm. I can't speak much for his accolades out with WWE, but... I knew, there are none. I, I knew... Well, but it's just... You just know... Like, you know all about Chris Hero? Yeah. I had a name that was skipped my mind. He, he wrote, so, he, so let me run down Hero's, like, most known things in, in WWE. Uh, he's known for uh, breaking Ricky Steamboat's, Richard, Richie Steamboat's back. He's known for, that's, I don't know if that's kayfabe or real, because it was kayfabe, but, like, Richie Steamboat never wrestled again. Um, he's known for getting his ass by William Regal. He's known for um, fighting Velveteen Dream and being Velveteen Dream's first win on TakeOver in a match where it was like a strike match and Velveteen Dream didn't knock him out, but he's the knockout artist. He's known for tapping out to Matt Riddle twice in one night. Like, there's not very many positives for my boy Ono. So, not in WWE. Like, WWE has hurt his career. You don't, you don't hear me say that often. Mm. It's like it really has. I have two names. First one is Austin Aries. Ooh. 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 I just got a nasty feeling in my stomach. <laughs> That'll be all those bananas. Austin Aries with his vegan. <laughs> his vegan nonsense. <laughs> God. And the God. other one. I just don't think we can do it, but I really, really want to. Nigel McGuinness. Did he? Is Does it, he count? I, I, that's that's the thing. Like he done stuff in TNA earlier on, and he was in Ring of Honor. But like, you know, like has he? Clive, when, did, when did he retire? It was not twenty six fifteen ish. It was that long. I bet he was on a downward spiral. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like. Like we go, I think we go way against the rules if we put him in. I just I really wanted to somehow get him in. I know, I know, but 
I mean, I don't know if you watched the documentary. Mm-hmm. He, like, he was doing like a farewell tour. I know. Trying to scrape enough money to retire, and Daniel Bryan texted him saying, "I'm the champ." He he retired in 2011, yo. I don't I don't think he can count. No. So, a question for you, real quick: Is Nigel the best that uh, Great Britain's ever given us for wrestling? I think we have to. I I think we have to have that conversation. I think if we got some more time out of him, I don't think it would have been a debate. Well, right now it's Danny Birch, and I will not hear a word against him. The governor, um, hey. Rick, this is going to disgust me to do this, but I think Austin Aries is like a guarantee because like he's got too many world championships in the in the past ten years. Yeah, right. too many. So many about now. That must be at least about thirteen or fourteen. Well, I've put it that we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven spaces left, and that would take us up to forty-four, which means there are twenty left for New Japan. Well, who do you have as the as the, as on the list? For the Indies in AEW? Yeah. Right, we've got Jericho, Moxley, Omega, Bucks, Cody, Aldis, Matt Hardy, Tessa Blanchard, Gail Kim, Revival, Pentagon, Zero Dark Thirty, Zero to Sixty in 100 Minutes, uh, Roosh, Chris Hero, and Austin Aquarius. So Chris Hero is a go? I, I, unless people think otherwise, I'm, I'm more than so happy. I would, I'd put him in. Right, so you, you, you've left 20 for New Japan. Mm-hmm. Is that enough? <laughs> Here's what I... Yes, I, because know. if and when we have Kiss guys on, they'll definitely be able to fit 20 on there. Oh, that's what I mean. Yep. Like, are we giving them enough space? Like, oh, they'll right. have 20 juniors. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they'll have to be ridiculous. That's what I'm saying, like... Like they, they, I think they could struggle to narrow it down to twenty. That's my issue. Um, how? Right. So I know we're saying we've got seven more to find. Um, we don't necessarily need to oh, get him on the podcast, but I think if we could possibly reach out to James and ask James to give us a few names from Stardom, give us three or four names, so we don't necessarily need to find another seven. My because I think, because I think we might start scraping the bottom of the barrel here because. You know, I think we need to start having that Jay Lethal, etc. discussion and we're a bit hesitant to put people like you have in. Well, it's easy My for me because I would just put copy and paste and move them up into the street. <laughs> well, I, I, can give you, I can give you two off the top of my head and start it right now. Mayu Iwatani and Miko Satamora. Yeah, Miko. Those two for sure because Mayu's like won every championship there is to win. Um, you, if, if we're talking 10 years, Kyrie got to count because Kyrie ain't and been there for t- and been there for ten years. Yeah. Did we not put? put did we put Kyrie in? Well, no. We put Io Shirai in because Kyrie wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Can we not so, bump her in here? I've got her in. I've uh, I've got Miko and Kyrie in. You'll need to help me with the spelling of that other one, Rance. Mayu or Miko. Mayu. Oh, Miko's easy. You, sorry, you know where apparently Miko's headed? Uh-huh. Beastville. Yeah. To other shows. 
It's, so it's M A Y U. M A Y U. I W A T A N I, I believe is how you spell the last name. Okay. So that means there's so, four, four left. So you're putting all three of those on there? Yeah, definitely putting the first two. I've, I've not heard of Iwatani. So who were, who were the ones you put in asterisk next to? Um, Jay Lethal, Marty can, Scuttle. Can, can I give one more before we do asterisk? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we'd be remiss and we'd feel bad about this if we didn't think about this guy after the list was over. Chris Daniels. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the tag team he was in, but would you rather him on his own? Well, I, w- I don't have a problem with him. I don't have a problem if it's him and Kaz as bad influence. I don't have a problem if it's SCU as a trio. But I feel like because AJ and Joe have gone on to such big things, Daniels gets forgotten. But Daniels was the main guy who gave those guys the rub mm-hmm. early in TNA. Daniels was the guy who gave so many people the rub in Ring of Honor. Daniels was the guy who's given so many people the rub won championships. He even had a world championship not too long ago. Cody beat him in Ring of Honor. Um, I just don't think Daniels gets his flowers in WWE. In fact, there's the I know you guys have heard the rumor that the higher power back uh-huh. in the 90s, I think 99, was supposed to be Daniels. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think he gets his flowers enough. In fact, currently right now in 2020, he's the ta- head of talent relations for, w- for AEW. I see. So I... Yeah, he's he's over talent relations. Well, he needs to. So I don't. He needs to get his fountain pen dipped in ink a bit quicker. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I Jim, think my only Jim Ross and Johnny S. He is not. Yes. Mm. I think my only hesitance hesitance about Christopher Daniels is a lot of what I would say his like absolute best stuff was pre twenty ten, like. I think when you think of, for me when you think of Chris Daniels you think AJ Joe X Division and that was like the mid two thousands, mid to late kind of stuff. Sure. I don't have an issue but uh, I think we could debate with him along with Jay Lethal and whoever else we've got. Well I would say well, remember we got we have Chris Hero on the list, so I would personally have Daniels over Scurrell. I don't even know if I'm like Scuttle in it anyway. I'm happy to keep him out of it. I think Scuttle's kind of like Hangman, etc. He's like, it's name value because of where he was and who he's associated with. But I think if you break it down and look and say, well, what have you actually, you as a talent single dresser, what have you done to merit getting on the list? Are there any others from AEW that we're missing? No, sorry, TNA, I meant. Current or... Miss. Um, I don't know if he's done anything relevant in a while. Technically, following our Brian rules, Cage. We, following our rules, we can't include Abyss because he's okay. he's with WWE. Brian Cage, big muscle man, former TNA champ. I'm thinking more of a sort of very storied, very illustrious career. Or How many spaces have we got? We've got four spaces left. Three, if we put Daniels on. I think we get one more. So between Jay Lethal, Daniels, and Cage, and whoever else. And then I'd like to get a few Stardom in there and then leave the 20 for 
the New Japan crew. Right, so... So who are, who are, who are the ones we're debating about? Right, we've got three left. We'll keep two more for Stardom. We've already got Sane, Satomura and Iwatani. Mm-hmm. And we are left with Jay Lethal, Good Brothers, Pack, and Roosh. I think Pack has done less than Jay Lethal. I mean, like, the whole, the, the, um, I remember it vividly because I, I watched the pay per view. It was the same night in the ladder war where Christopher Daniels was murdered about 50 times. <laughs> no, that was actually a wrong. That was a year after. It was a night where AJ Styles, it was the Bullet Club versus Kingdom, and it was basically a six man tag Superman super kick party. Uh, Jay Lethal was the TV and world champ, and that was a big, big, big deal in ROH at the time. No, he wasn't. It was um, one of the Briscoe brothers and Jay Lethal won, became the double champ that night. Is that correct? 2015? Am I right? I don't remember the the night, but I I, I don't remember what year it was. You're better at years than me. Jay Lethal winning the TV and World Championship was massive. And I think it did more for the wrestling um, community than PAC's Admittedly excellent cruiserweight run. Right, so I think we could probably agree it comes down to maybe them too. So, Rancho, you're not going to understand this um, analogy, but Clive, I would say, based on what Ranch is saying about Jay Lethal, like, you know, Ring of Honor has been piss poor for so long, and, you know, do we really give a fuck about them? So, I would like and say Jay Lethal to remember the good doctor. Um, you scored all those goals for Gretna. What was his damn name again? Remember? The good doctor. He was a he was a GP and he played striker for Gretna and no. he scored like fifty goals in a season. Uh, no, I can't remember. Right, so basically he scored all these goals for Gretna when they were in like the third division, right? Would you take him because he scored so many goals at a low level, or would you take, say, someone like I don't know, say Gary O'Connor when he was at Hibs, who scored maybe about 10 or 12 goals in the SPL but was never really that great, but done it at a higher level slightly than the good doctor, Kenny Duker, I think his name was. Kenny Duker, Kenny Duker. What a Scottish name. But do you get get the the metaphor I'm going with, um, the analogy I'm going with here? If if that is your comparison, then I would not pick Gary O'Connor. But would you take a guy that's done it for... A, a smaller team at a much smaller level but produced more at that level or would you take the guy who may not have produced at the highest level what you might expect but is done relatively okay but at a higher level I would liken that to Pac mm. I, I, I suppose at Rancher Ranch, I suppose it's say someone <laughs> so, Ranch, Ranch, I would say it's someone hitting say 40 or 50 home runs in the minor league would you take that person over someone who hits five or anywhere between five and ten home runs in the major leagues? Which one? Which one? Which one would you more? Which, which one looks more impressive? Which one you say that? I, I like you know. The forty home runs is more impressive. Uh, even in the minor leagues. Even even in the minor leagues, because everything isn't always linear. 
You're not, you know, I'll the guys in the minor leagues aren't comparing. The guys in the minor leagues aren't comparing against the aren't competing against the guys in the major leagues. They're competing against the guys that's put in front of them. So your job isn't to compare yourself to what they're doing in the majors. Your job is, motherfucker, throw the ball at me. I'm gonna knock it out the park. Right. So I think Ryan scores Jay Lethal. I think I would lean to Park. So Clive, I think it's down to you. I would go for the. The doctor, the GP that scores for fun. <laughs> so, Jay Lethal. As long as I can call him Jay Ducker. Murray, Murray, Murray might remember who, who his damn name was. I'm going to, I'm going to Google him right now, but yeah, I'll find Jay Lethal. Don't have an issue with that. Yeah, I think, oh, I think. I mean, Pac's great. I'll, you know, you guys know I was a big fan of the Cruiserweight stuff. But I think Jay Lethal's the TV world title thing in 2015, that was a bigger peak. I, I just it's it's become a reoccurring joke how little WWE cares about the cruiserweights, and that joke is even further perpetuated by the fact that even though Neville had a fantastic damn near year long title reign, the only person that mattered was Enzo. So, like that tells you everything you need to know. Sorry, hey, um, five Cloud. Can take, can take Jaylee for. By the way, Clive, um, Kenny Duker scored 38 league goals in 36 matches for Gretna in the third division. Well, it was no Marco Negri who scored <laughs> about 35 for Rangers in half a season. Uh, that's right, and then just fell off a cliff. Uh, that's fine. So we've got three spots left then? Two. Right, looking, oh, that is a task for James. Uh, right, so from the... I'll go over all of them so far, right? All 44 names, 42 names. Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, AJ Lee, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks and Bailey, Asuka, Usos, New Day, CM Punk, Brock Lesnar, Finn Balor, Paige, Kevin Owens, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, Nakamura, John Cena, Io Shirai, Jericho, Moxley, Omega, Bucks, Cody, Aldis, Hardy, Matt, Blanchard, Gail Kim, FTR, Pentagon, Rush, Chris Hero, Austin Aries, Miko Satamura, Kairi Sane, Mayu Iwatani, Chris Daniels and Jay Lethal. So far that is a who's who of the last decade. You know who I'm going to champion for, for in every single round? And I think this might shock you. Rusev? Brock? Lesnar? Yes. Hey, what, you didn't name him on the list? No, he's on the list, but I, when, so whenever we're debating, I think I'm going to be pro Lesnar quite a bit. Oh, when, we, when y'all do the... Yep. Uh, when, when we start doing the bracket. Well, keep it a buck. If it's strictly on uh, accolades, I mean, Brock probably should win the whole damn thing. See, I realise we've kind of kicked ourselves a bit, Ricky, because we went with Finn Balor because he's not had the most amazing WWE career. We went off his... New Japan work. Oh, and his NXT stuff. But yeah, he's the, he's the greatest wrestler in NXT history. Mm. So that's but yeah. See, Drew McIntyre had a ferocious few years on the Indies. TNA evolved. ICW. He, he was a did. big big who, deal. Who who in that first list would you remove to put Drew in? Because remember that first half the this decade, you know he was. 3MB, remember? 
Jay Lee. Oh man, I'm sorry. I had a I was, no. throat. I would say I was going to say. Don't you dare say punk. Don't you dare say punk. No, I was going to say no. AJ Lee. Yeah. AJ Lee is the most overrated wrestler of our generation. Completely overrated. She's overrated because people like her. But what has she? What, what has she done? She was the women's champion in an era where the women barely wrestled. Right? Just keep it a buck. Mm-hmm. The reason she was over wasn't because she was the best women's wrestler or the best talker, but because she was put in major storylines with Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, John Cena, and Kane for a year and a half before she even wrestled a match. Like, keep it a buck. AJ is the victim of perfect timing. She ain't done nothing deserving of being there. Read, read that WWE list again. <laughs> Rollins, Reigns, AJ Lee, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Bank, right, the, the Horsewoman, Asuka, Usos, New Day, Punk, Lesnar, Balor, Page, Owens, Champa, Gargano, Cole, Nakamura, Cena, Shirai. Fuck, take John Cena yeah. out. <laughs> Ten years? Even no, 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 even, no. even I would uh, not like. <laughs> I think the old, like, so the two names that pop to mind probably like, if you say would be AJ Lee and Paige. I think Paige did more than AJ Lee. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm comparing it to everyone on that list. That's the only two that I could possibly make room for Drew. But I don't yeah, Paige yeah, is significantly more than AJ Lee. Yeah, and I less time. I do, I, I'm quite content with the WWE list we've got. You want to keep Matt McIntyre off? I would keep him off. Ooh. <laughs> Ricky Rickerson, I what think... are you doing? No, I think... May, 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 may I make a suggestion? Uh-huh. What if we just dumped Jay Lethal and put Drew McIntyre and said, I have well, well can, I, can I make a suggestion, mm-hmm. if you don't mind? I know I'm just the friends of Ricky and Clive and friends, and this is this says I have no say in the matter. Why don't you put it to a poll on Twitter? Do that. Right. For who? For who? AJ Lee and... AJ Lee or Drew McIntyre. Or why don't you dump Jay Lethal in there as well, put the three of them in, and the person with the least votes gets punted out? I don't want to well, give that's... I don't want to give WWE guys too many. They already have twenty three. Right, fine. Put it to poll AJ Lee and Drew. Now watch AJ will still win because of internet popularity, but at least someone's making the decision for you. That's fine. Do that. No, well, no. Live, you okay with that? You look like you, you look very trepidatious. You want to put Drew in, don't you? So badly. He's had such a good year. <laughs> I'll just do it like this. If people vote for AJ Lee, we'll be like, fuck your votes for yourself. Sure, we do what we want and just replace AJ with, replace Drew with AJ. <laughs> I mean, even Matthew McConaughey likes Dan- Edry McIntyre. <laughs> when was the last all right, time? All right, all right. When was the last time Matthew McConaughey wore an AJ Lee t shirt during one of his films? <laughs> um, I have about five minutes. If you don't mind, I can quickly give you my quick, quick breakdown of Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. 
first match was Roman and Jey Uso. I think we championed for so long that we just like we really want the crowds back. But if the crowds were back for these two matches, these matches wouldn't have been as memorable without them. I don't think because you wouldn't have heard so clearly and vividly all the things Roman and, and Jey Uso were saying to one another. Um, it's not going to be like, and I can't believe I'm saying this. Like, all I care about is like the in-ring product. Now, is this going to be one of the matches? Like, you go back and ten years' time, so oh my god, that was one of the greatest matches ever. No, I don't think so. But the storyline was just so perfect and awesome, and and that's what made it so damn great. Um, I really enjoyed it. Some of the stuff Roman was saying was just awesome. Um, the, the bit at the end with the if he's um, uncle and his his father, um, and then three of them standing in the stage was 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 excellent. And I loved the fact that I loved the fact that Jay also said I quit, I quit, I quit because he wanted to save his brother. Mm. Um, like I absolutely loved that. Um, I know we're talking about we don't like it when when it's like these when you do protected finishes, but that was that was perfect. I thought that was great. Um, second match on the card. Jog my memory. Uh, Elias and um, Jeff Hardy. Right, so we'll go. What was the third match? <laughs> Sasha. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs> Sasha and uh, Bailey. It's not possible for them to have a bad match. You know, like I, my only issue with the match, and I think we said it building up to it, was Hell in a Cell was supposed to be like the ending of a feud type thing, uh, and this is just the kind of feuds just beginning, really. Um, but yeah, uh, I was surprised about Miss Sasha, if I'm honest. Um, I thought they might have went with Sasha a little later down the line, like, you know, the, the, the following match and the match after that. Um, but I thought this match was awesome, awesome, and I'm looking forward to this feud continuing. Um, I didn't even realise Otis and Miz was happening. Well, that um, and Slapjack and Lashley are the next two, for the record. Yep. Um, I'm got like you know the Otis thing. I understood why you put money in the bank on him at the time because like it was everybody was really high on him. But I, you know, this is the correct decision. I think taking it off him now because he's lost all that steam. Um, retribution in the hot business. Still love the hot business. Um, not entirely sure what's been happening. To be honest with retribution, in the last few weeks. Um, like just in the sense that I don't know if they've lost purpose or meaning now. Um, but yeah, um, and then obviously we finish it off with um, Drew and Randy Orton. But this match surprised me the most out of them all. But I just never had it in my head that Drew was going to lose the title. That that completely shocked me. Um, I, I still don't think it was the right decision. You know, I think, I think, I think this thing with Roman, when Roman eventually loses the title to whoever it may be, I so hope it's in front of fans because that is going to be such a big moment because of how great Roman looks. I felt like Drew losing it could have been like a bigger moment. Um, no disrespect to Randy Orton because I think Randy Orton for the last sort of twelve months has been just fucking outstanding. I think he's been great. So I don't have an issue. With Randy's holding the title. I just I wanted Drew to hold it for longer. Um, and another quick thing the Survivor Series card is already looking fantastic 
Um, Roman Randy, uh, Asuka and Sasha Banks, even though we've already saw that quite a bit this summer, but, but again, you, you don't tire of watching good matches. So Different dynamic to exactly. Sasha's babyface. Yeah. Yep. Um, New Day versus... Um, um, the Street Profits. Oh, Street Profits. Never, never go full Dawkins. My goodness, I'm looking forward to that. And the fourth match to be announced, um, I saw it was, who was the fourth? Lashley and uh, Sami Zayn. So Lashley's, yes. Lashley's sisters are going to make a comeback? Yes, yes. They, they if, if, they have Lash, if they have Lashley pissed off and like squash Sami Zayn because of his sisters, I'll pop so hard. <laughs> so he has to bring them back. Um, so yeah, that's my quick thoughts on it. And obviously, like you can I'll listen back on the podcast to see what you think. Um, Hell in a was a really, really good pay-per-view. I thought it was really, really good. I, fe- I felt those three main matches really did deliver. Um, I thought they were all really good. Um, yeah, so I enjoyed it. And like I say, Survivor Series is already shaping up to be a really, really good, good-looking card as well. Good stuff. Thank you for your um, five-minute review. And thank you for You're coming welcome. on when you didn't have to. Yep, um, I'll be back on next week. Okay. Right, I'll speak to you soon. Right, speak to you later. Right, take care, folks. Bye. Love you, bro. Right. Uh, right, Rance, I will be pausing for a, a bathroom break, but you may have heard me chuckle during Ricky's review there. That's because I was just scrolling through liked tweets because I wanted to bring something up for later, but I didn't know that Ricky had liked this. Uh, Malcolm Bivens late, um, put a picture up of Drew McIntyre pointing to him and Queen Latifah in the Thunderdome. <laughs> Malcolm is the best, bro. Oh. Malcolm is like Stoke is the best. I love that guy so much. Yeah. Like I actually should talk to him more. I actually should like actually DM him sometimes and mm-hmm. like make him laugh because like he he's the funniest dude in the fucking business by far. I think Finn Balor's underneath him. No, that's just someone who looks like him. Right, I'll be back imminently. Um, and for the people listening at home, it will be one second. So, the first thing I want to bring up, Rance, is that I am going to steal a moniker from your podcasting co host. And that is the Sage of the Squared Circle, because a few months ago, can't remember what episode, but I definitely said it. I said that. Heavy Machinery will split up and the lesser of the pair will get the push. What what, what happened? Okay. We had Otis being screwed over by Tucky and granted, Tucky actually had a pretty decent promo right following the aftermath. But they've done it again. The, the reason I'm laughing mm-hmm. is because something was brought to my attention the other day that I didn't notice. When when Miz and Morrison are being interviewed by Kayla, or I think it was Kayla, or it may have been Kayla or Charlie, I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, and Tucky comes out and and discusses promo. He has the promo in his hand Does he? on a piece of paper, and then he drops it to, like nobody sees it. It's hilarious. Oh my god! Yeah, I guess they just gave it to him as he walked through the back. <laughs> Fantastic! Oh, That's but yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, 
I'll give you your credit for that, but understand, like, you're, like, one at, like, 199, because every week you say that there's going to be a title change on TV. So, like, you're, like, you're you're batting, you're batting uphill. You, you're saying there's going to be a title change this week's TV? Two of them. Bold stuff. Wait, 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 wait. Maybe three, because there's a third title match tonight. Check out this in Santos. Oh right, I didn't know that was a a match. Was that a recent announcement? I think it was announced yesterday or today. But uh, Jake Atlas is fantastic, and Santos is the man. So that's going to be a fun match. Do you know what's the most important change that will happen tonight? A change of heart by Kelly and Dane. <laughs> so you talked about it was either no, I think it was Rick who talked about. Uh, when fans are back, hopefully fans are back when Roman loses the title. Mm-hmm. I need there to be a, a stadium full of fans for when Killian Dane accepts the music with him and Drake. Because when he when they finally come to the ring, the full the full walk with the music, uh-huh. that's going to be the biggest pop. I, I'm actually annoyed that Drake only does it for the odd two or three seconds. Like I need to see that dance. I need it. Oh, I'm see. These are the genius. Keep it a buck. Can we? Can we be? I, well, we're always honest, but can we be like totally honest on the show? This is the reason Vince don't give a fuck about tag team wrestling because look at this, like Drake Maverick and Killian Dane, and like we're glossing over how much we love them. Mm-hmm. Why? Why would you pay attention and keep tag teams and tag teams for years? We would just put two people together, and all of a sudden we love them. Mm-hmm. The odd couples, I think it's usually a successful thing. Look at what is it called in wrestling? Strange bedfellows? Is that what it's called? Yeah, strange bedfellows. Yeah. Look at Baszler and Jax. I'm st- so I enjoy their constant bullying of Lana. That's very fun. That's a highlight of my week. Um, but they 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 got to show me some more. Like, I got to see a little more of them together. Like, everything is cool with them outside the ring. When they wrestle together, like, yeah. All right, okay. I've I've not seen enough of their actual wrestling together to comment on that. I just remember Nia Jax getting all up in the camera's face when they won the titles, and that was... That was hilarious. That was funny. So, But But you have legitimately one of the pioneers of women's MMA, and you have a near 300 pound Samoan woman and they're selling for Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot. I just it just don't work with mm. me. I just it doesn't do well for me. Yeah, they're all, they're too they're too powerful as a unit. Yep, too dominant. Yep, too dominant. So see with the Otis thing, I'm not that bothered that he's lost the the money in the bank briefcase. See when you think about it from a business sense, Miz is uh, turning into Mister USA already with the kind of total wipeout show that he's doing, as well as the Miz and Mrs. He's already on USA quite a lot during the week, so if he's on Monday night with a briefcase, Mr. The, the Mizanans, they're, they're the darlings of USA Network, TV channel, whatever you want to call it. So from a business sense, I can see that making sense. Tucker and Otis splitting up, Splitting up tag teams seems to be par for the course at the moment. I'm undecided on Tucker's 
credibility as a, a dominant heel. I don't think it's going to do much for him in the long run. Yeah, but neither was being that face on that other show that used to be friends with this guy this one time. What? If Tucker would have never turned heel on Otis, he would be, hey, remember that guy on that show that used to be friends with that guy that one time? Right, right. Yeah, he's wrestling. Put it this way, I'll, I'll predict that before, before WrestleMania, Angelo Dawkins will turn on Montez Ford. It's too early, man. I want. I look. I want to see it, cause Montez is a superstar. Like, oh, he is. Montez is a super. Like, he's a. He is a. He is every bit a future world champion. As Edge was at the, when Edge was with Christian. We knew. We know this. But man, they're too perfect together. I know they are, and Angelo Dawkins is doing very well for himself. I don't he think is. there's too. I don't think the, the gulf is too wide between them anymore. I'd argue there's many nights that Dawkins outshines Tez now, but then Tez will do some like crazy shit, like he'll jump 15 feet in the air, I know. and then make you remember. But I think the gulf between, for instance, Enzo and Cass was quite wide in terms of appeal and charisma and all that stuff. Tucker and Otis, that was a notable difference. But the Street Profits of Dawkins has closed that gap. He's mm-hmm. he's excelled under pressure, I think. Well, I mean, my man was in developmental for seven years, so I hope he picks some stuff up. You <laughs> I know? know, I know. Like, I really do hope he picks some... Like, Dawkins was in developmental before the Four Horsewomen. <sighs> like, like Dawkins was in developmental before before Corbin. Like, no, Dawkins has been in developmental forever. The only other I'm talking like him and Jason Jordan coming in together. Like, forever. It must have been... Aaliyah must be the other only really... Ancient NXT stalwart, no? Still, still down there? Yeah, probably. Um, that's of note. Yeah. Um, Vanessa Bourne's been there for a while, but I don't. She ain't been there as long as Aaliyah's been. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Aaliyah's got to be the one. Yeah, and Aaliyah ain't never getting called up, bro. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> I don't see it. I would say poor woman, but she's there's been rumours about her, so no, no, not poor woman. Um, see, see when Ricky went glossed over Jeff Hardy versus Elias, like I've got nothing. I I, I fast forwarded the Living Daylights out of that match. I ignored it too, but it's hilarious. He was just like, "What's the next match? Jeff Hardy and Elias." Uh-huh. Oh, okay. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> For the record. For the record, I want to say this. We all in the internet wrestling community continue to complain about these stories Jeff gets put in that continue to talk about or remind us of his addictive past and whatnot. And he continues to go out of his way to let people know this is my choice, Mm -hmm. my decision. I'm the reason why we're doing these stories. Mm -hmm. So... All I ask is that you don't hate the story because it's talking about that. You just hate the story because it sucks. Because this story sucks. Whether yes. it's about addiction or not. Uh-huh. Like, a lot of people were very offended with the the drink driving stuff. The angle with Seamus earlier on in the year. Even his brother. And I was like, listen, Jeff Hardy's clearly signing off on this. 
if he wasn't, he sh- I, I would like to think Jeff Hardy has enough clout to say to Vince McMahon, meh, sorry, I'm not doing that. Absolutely right. He brings him um, back often enough. He obviously Vince obviously cares enough about him to give him chance after chance after chance. Yeah, Vince loves Jeff. Jeff's been working for Vince for 25 years, since, 90, since 94. Oh, that's a long time. Like, Vince loved a kid. Mm-hmm. Now, can we talk about the fact that I'm really sick of Elias? Like, Elias can go. Yeah, like... Like, I'm done. I just... I respect Jeff Hardy's place in the wrestling world, but it doesn't do anything for me anymore. And Elias is just... Mm. I I appreciate Jeff for two reasons. Number one, you and I grew up in Attitude Era, so I'll always have love for Jeff, that nostalgia, right? But number two, at least Jeff has shown he can change it up when he's asked or when he's allowed. Mm -hmm. He's shown that he can be different. The TNA when he was the Antichrist of professional wrestling, that was fantastic stuff, I thought. Um, Brother Nero, Willow, with the things he's doing with his ear gauges and like he's doing different things he's not the same guy Elias is the same promo and the same song and the same getting cut off and the same match every time it's yeah. been like four years now I'm tired of it uh-huh. just it's boring it is and I so I just I skipped to the part where Jeff Hardy hit them over the head with the guitar and I thought cool move on so so shall we then and I thought I'd keep this Hell in a Cell matches till last so the next one that we have is the Bobby Lashley versus Shane Thorne Slapjack so Clive tell me how do you feel about this whole retribution story and them getting continuously outsmarted or beaten down by her, her business like what are your thoughts on that situation um, I don't have specific thoughts on the apparent burial that Retribution have received. My concern that I think is that I think Mustafa Ali is badly miscast. Do you? I don't think this is going to suit him long run, long term. I mean, I hate, I hate to be a size queen. I really do. Okay. Okay. But there's just it doesn't look like the leader of a group. And until um, until now he was untested in a live ring promo segment environment. All his magical videos, they were videos that were pre taped. And I just I don't feel as if If, I don't feel as if he believes it and it comes across that way. Huh. I I think his promos have been fantastic. His backstage ones, I think they've been they've been fantastic okay. personally. Okay. Um because there's something about Ali that draws you in and even if he doesn't believe it or not, what he's saying is factually true. <laughs> like he's not out here saying any promos that's like Huh? Like he's not out here cutting Bray Wyatt promos about fireflies and <laughs> Sister Abigail. Like he's saying real things. The company is greedy. They don't want to push somebody named Mustafa Ali. Like these are true things. Um, the size thing is jarring, but then also you think the better heel 
wrestlers of the 20, 30 years have been smaller guys mm-hmm. so they can bump for the faces. I know, I know. It's just, it seemed like a striking visual on Sunday when they rushed the ring and he was in a boiler suit. Like he was a, the the mystery member of Slipknot. <laughs> and okay. he just scurried away. I mean, listen, the heart business are fantastic. They are amazing. Like top top notch, that's one of the best factions main rosters have done in a long time. So Agreed. retribution, I don't mind that they're made to look silly because hurt business are like if you had so many good factions none of them would stand out hurt business are standing out so I'm fine with that it's just Ali himself I I will I will I can agree with you on this point I think that we are at a very big crossroads as to if Ali will be trusted mm-hmm. because because uh, I, I think I think Vince knows he has something with Mustafa Ali I think he does clearly he does because he keeps putting when he puts him in something he, he puts him in a position of importance mm-hmm. right he's all every time he's been booked the problem with Mustafa hasn't been the importance of him of his booking it's been him getting booked in general yes um, so he, I think he knows he has something with Mustafa, but I don't think he knows what to do with it, and that's a Vince problem, not an Ali problem. But I feel like, and Vince does this with every major wrestler he's ever pushed. He's even with Hogan, he's done this where he'll put you in something you might not like or that you might not be able to make work, and says go make it work. Okay. So I, I'm I'm terrified that if that if Ali can't make Retribution work, booking be damned. And that's going to look badly on him as a wrestler yeah. when it should look badly on the creative. I'd actually said on a solo, it might have been a solo show that a, there is a lot of pressure on Mustafa Ali's shoulders. Like he's got to bring his A game for this. Mm-hmm. And so far, I've not seen an A game. I mean, ain't been F. I mean, he's given B plus A minus work. Mm-hmm. But it's not the greatest. It's not the greatest in the world. But he's not given much to work with. He's not. Again, I'm. I'm I've been happy with the promos. I don't like that they've lost every match, but I'm okay with it in the in the sense of how they've lost. Yeah, right. You have he's the leader. You have minions. Your minions are supposed to lose. So, all right, cool. I can accept that. I didn't like Dijak tapping out in the first match. Right. Didn't like that. Like that should have been Slapjack. Like Slapjack, Shane Thorne is there to be the fall guy. Yes, right? like in all walks of life. <laughs> Well, yes, <laughs> I'm. I'm sure um, Mikey Nichols will tell you the same thing. <laughs> um, Mace, aka uh, Brendan Williams, Dio Madden, and Dijak T-Bar should be being built up as his two AOP esque members, right? And mm-hmm. Slapjack should be there to get thrown around. Why the hell you got Mia there? I don't know. Either you have me, have you have two women, or you have none. Doesn't make sense to have one because she has nothing to do, mm-hmm. other than like tweak out. She called it a possession, which is the funniest shit I've ever seen on TV. That she was hilarious. <laughs> ah! Eh! Ah! Um, but no, I I think he's done well. I just don't think the company sees much or cares much about retribution as a group. We'll see the merit of retribution when they're done feuding the, with the hurt business. Mm-hmm. 
that's when we'll see their true merit because this is just a bad matchup for them. Yeah. There's been a lot of criticism of Retribution's presentation and it just seems to be growing constantly. Well, why are they coming from the back? That Now, that's something I hate. They should not be coming from Gorilla. Come from the outside like they used to. Them coming from Gorilla tells me they're just regular wrestlers. That's mm-hmm. not what they're supposed to be. I, I still think they really missed a trick with the early Thunderdome days. Like, they should have broken a few screens and come out through the, the Thunderdome. Just things Agreed. like that. Or, or better yet, how about the night that they left the PC? They should have burnt that hole down. Not literally, but you know. Uh-huh. Like, destroyed the PC, which which made WWE have to get a new arena. Is that a new building? Is it actually a new building? No, it's the same building. Right. They just have completely redone everything inside of it. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. That's an interesting one. I'm more, I'm more concerned with Ali than Retribution because I think... You know, I'm a big Dijak Mark. I think I don't think he was ever going to be a, like a future world champ on the main roster. He was always just going to have these sort of random bit parts, and I would have been fine with that. So it's mostly Mustafa Ali because I do think he said himself when he was on Edge and Christian's podcast, I believe that after his first appearance with Daniel Bryan, Vince McMahon pulled him aside and said, "You've got something. You've got a natural empathy from the crowd." But like he's a good underdog babyface. Vince said that to him. So, why then would they just turn that on its head? Okay, if he was underdog babyface, where would you put him? What would he be doing right now? Right now, he'd be just doing the same thing he was doing. Be on main event every week, probably. So, so my question to you is: and you're you are as big an Ali fan as I know. Would you rather him stay true to who he is? and be on main event and never see him get booked on the main major shows? Or would you rather see him like this? He's getting TV time. He's getting significant TV time. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just Talking too... multiple segments. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just too early. I like to um, fly the flag of patience. So give it some time instead. A year from now, we might be talking about how Ali winning the world championship at SummerSlam, and we were, and we were laughing at why we thought it wasn't going to work a year before. Probably. You know, yeah. anything's possible. Right. So we're left with the three cell matches. I thought all of them were fantastic. They were very um, varied. Mm-hmm. I I picked this up before I checked the group chat thing where Rob Rab Rope said about the color schemes. The white versus black, heels versus faces. Like I spotted that quickly, and I was see with the. I know what Ricky was saying about Drew McIntyre losing the title. He didn't want to lose. I did kind of think it would happen, so I wasn't overly disappointed from a um, Booker's hat, but just I was just disappointed in general that McIntyre's not the champion anymore. Because if we're being led to believe what is the case going forward, it's going to be Randy Orton versus Edge, who has already been shown to be injury-prone since returning. Yeah. Is he yeah, going to be was... ready for WrestleMania? 
Um, I would hope so. Mm. I would hope so. Um, he had a tricep injury. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, triceps is normally six to nine months. So by WrestleMania a bit, it will have been over nine months. So I hope so. Um, I'm all for Randy being champ. While I'm disappointed Drew isn't champ anymore because Drew had one of, we talked about ad nauseum, oh, yes, one of yes. the best reigns in years. Fought all comers, had fire matches, defended the title multiple times, was a baby face you could get behind. Like, he's cemented himself as a true, consistent, full time main eventer. But I mean, Randy's done great, fantastic work. He has. I just, you know? I really hope that Drew isn't just a once and done. I don't think so. I think Vince realized that he held the company afloat for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is just, a, um, as they say in the gospel world, this is your setback is a setup for a comeback. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Vince realizes, let's, so I, I saw this, I saw this tweet and you know, you see random tweets that don't mean shit, but they make you think. What if Drew gets crowned with his second championship at the first pay-per-view in England? Can you imagine the pop he'd get mm-hmm. winning the championship in front of a live crowd at Wembley or the O2 or something in in in, U- in the UK? Oh, if it was Wembley, that would have, that would be huge. It's a, it's a, I don't know if you know, but it's a different Wembley now. Mm-hmm. Compared to SummerSlam '92, it's bigger. Yeah. Um, it would be better than Scotland, obviously. But well, yeah, if it was in Glasgow, I can imagine they'd lose their mind. Uh, but th- there would never I, ever be a pay per view in Glasgow. There might not even I mean, be a UK take. Not a major one. <laughs> uh, interesting trivia for you. Drew McIntyre winning the world title and losing it, those are the only two matches he's main evented a pay-per-view. It's a damn shame, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I get why some of the some of the pay-per-views he didn't main event. Roman coming back. Money fun, in the bank. Money in the bank, the fucking swamp match thing. What was... That's probably I kind of does make sense on most of them because you had the Roman Reigns so match last last time, didn't you? The what? The Roman Reigns was last. That match was last. The Roman and Jay match. Yes. Yes, sir. At the last pay per view. Uh huh. That was last. Yes. I would maybe argue that it could have went on last in the Triple Threat Universal Title match that same pay per view. But that was something I'd been well, paying attention to over the last couple of months, thinking, yes, Vince obviously thinks highly of Drew, but I would have liked to have seen him end a few pay-per-views more than he did. In that triple threat pay-per-view match, it wouldn't have worked because the whole match was centered around, will Roman show up? Mm-hmm. So, true. like, remember, he the whole match was show up and win. He showed up, did, like, did a spear, hit somebody with a chair, and then walked out with the championship. If that's like in the first hour of the show, it doesn't really have the same effect. I know. Well, speaking of Roman Reigns. Oh, boy. <laughs> the, <laughs> I'm fast-forwarding a bit, but 
One of my favourite wrestling accounts on Twitter is MythGifts. Oh, they if you if you're not following them or not reading their stuff, you are doing a disservice to yourself as a wrestling fan. They break down wrestling stories and matches in such a way. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's total kayfabe. Yeah. Uh, they, he he or she is a clearly marks for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. <laughs> like that's about ninety percent of their Twitter feeds. <laughs> but uh, this is a myth. Gifts. It's a gif at the end of Roman Reigns as his cousins seethe. Roman Reigns contemptuously wipes away his crocodile tears, and somebody underneath replied saying, "Crocodile tears being the apt description of his crying." And myth gifts replies, "It's perfect because the crocodile in the saying." is crying to lure its prey, its prey closer. That is exactly what Roman did to Jimmy. Now, personally, I preferred the first match because it was just so shocking to see this turnabout of Roman being this callous monster of a family. And I feel as if a lot of the, the Hell in a Cell match, it was just much of the same. Sure. But when... He started crying. Jimmy came out and it was all just a ruse. It's like, you sick, sick man. And then, and then they, sorry, what are their names? If Alpha and Seek are the last moments. All we hear about from the Anoa'i family over the 20, 30 years, family, family, we're blood, we love each other. They didn't care. They just wanted someone to beat the head of that family. Like, that was almost like all of them just saying fuck you, Usos. Well, yes. Also, Sika is Roman's dad. <laughs> well, aye, okay. So they're not gonna turn their they're not gonna turn on their boy. But I've, it's something to be said. So wrestling has had us think that Polynesians, Samoans in general, are savages, right? And we've they so beautifully changed the narrative in this new generation with people like, not just Samoans, but Polynesians, with Roman, the Usos, Tamina, Naya, you know, some Samoa Joe, so many people from the islands, uh, Dakota Kai, Jesse Camille, some Kona Reeves, like so many Polynesians have shown, we're not all coconuts, and, eh, like we're regular people. Mm-hmm. But, but there's always that hint of savageness in us that hint of when I like to put food on my plate, I'll do whatever I got to do. And if anybody knows that it's the wild Samoans. So them coming out with such a beautiful touch because it not only did it show that we're standing behind our guy or we'll turn our back on whoever we need to turn our back on, but it shows that we will support whoever proved they deserve it. Just, so cold. And so I disagree with you on one part, one thing. Roman did lure Jimmy in, but I don't think that he was faking it. I think there was a moment where he really realized, kayfabe, of course, Mm -hmm. I'm not the same guy. But I don't think he was crying because he was sad. I think he was crying because, uh, look at the entire history of this feud, he didn't want to do what he felt he had to do. But there's one part in in the match that he says, and it's probably, I think it's when uh, he throws the ref over the, ro- over the top rope and the other refs come in and Pat Buck and Jamie Noble and 
Scrap Daddy are out there trying to stop him. <laughs> and he's Scrap Daddy. He's Scrap Daddy Adam Pierce. I love my man. And he said, Roman says to all of them, look, I've gone too far to stop now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, right? So I don't think that was a cry of, oh my God, I'm not the same person. I think it was a cry of, I can't believe that y'all are going to make me have to do this. Mm-hmm. It's, too, it's too far gone. There was this point where I thought, and I don't know if you noticed, the same referee as the Rollins and Wyatt match. <laughs> yeah, there was the same ref. And he was saying, he was about to call it, and I thought, no, please, no, please. But yeah. they just went down a different road, and that was ruthless. So, I mean, it's it's a relatively basic story, right? But I think it's one of the more mature stories that WWE have done in a long, long time. Oh, absolutely. And it's not only does it stem, does it stem from real life events, but it's layered. Mm. Again, just the things that that we talk about layered, everybody looks at Jim and Jay, Josh and John as twins. They are twins. But as was as was explained in Polynesian culture, doesn't matter if you're nine minutes or nine years older, you're older, you're older. Roman and Jimmy, Joe and John hung out together more than they did with Josh. He was really the little brother. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know what I mean? So, like, this really is the the youngest of the pack sticking up to the big dog, which is where the nickname comes from, who was bred to content to leave the pack. Like, so there's so much of so much nuance added into this. Just that just goes beyond Oh, well, this dude was a wrestler, and this dude was a wrestler, you know. Or um, when he was beating up Jay, and Roman was saying, "This is what you got to deal with when you're the main event. You, when you're the main, when you're in the main event, you go mm-hmm. 30 minutes. You, you, you got to handle this type of pain. Like, and he, he's really, he really feels like Jay is trying to take his spot. Mm-hmm. It's paranoid. It's, paranoid. He's truly paranoid. It's beautiful. Uh, like. This isn't great wrestling. That's like drama, Oscar shit. It's it's it's, it's Shakespeare. Mm. It's truly Broadway Shakespeare. And then I love I love the Jimmy Uso fake out. I loved that because it was a callback to the last match where Jimmy came and saved his brother mm-hmm. and said, "You the tribal chief, Us. You got it. You wanted that badge. You got it. Now you realize what you're doing." Came back out, tried to save his brother, and you know the whole. I love when this is when breaking kayfabe makes sense because it has a more of a a, a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. He was like, "This ain't Jimmy and Jay, bro. This is Josh and John. Like, look what you're doing, uh-huh. you know." And then to get pulled in, and then the handshake, and all of a sudden, nope, guillotine, baby. Oh man, just <laughs> and then and then and then Jay, who couldn't move two minutes two seconds ago. Out of this adrenaline-filled rage, like barely can move and like rolls over and screams, "I quit! I quit! Save my brother!" Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, bro. See, see, one of the, you and I have talked about linguistics and stuff like that when we're talking about Samoa Joe and promo promo skills. Mm-hmm. 
And there was always this agenda against Roman Reigns after the Punk podcast. Mm-hmm. But it's dawning on me now that I think one of the reasons that Roman Reigns didn't get over with the smark, Smarks was it when it came to promos, it didn't project his voice to the back of the room. Right? It wasn't a very commanding voice. Rollins was loud. Ambrose was loud. They had a voice that, although they were on a microphone, it went all the way to the back. Roman always comes across as a wee bit softly spoken. Sure. Sure. So in this pandemic era wrestling, there is no fan, no fans there. And I think the heel turns worked because you're getting to hear the dialogue rather than just the promos. Even the promos are quiet as well. You have to pay attention to what you're saying, a bit like Jake the Snake. And it's like, you're drawn into him, what's going on more? And I think maybe Roman will never have that voice that projects to the back. Like, this is one of those things he'll teach you in acting class, day one probably. But because it's all about people are focusing in on him rather than him having to push out, it draws you in and it just makes you realise this is deep stuff. So I think that's how this is working for Roman at the moment. I don't know. I don't know if this would have worked with a crowd. No, it wouldn't have. I, the, the, I think the the best part about the story has been the shit talking. It's been the, the talking in the ring. Mm-hmm. It's been the the ad libs, uh, the back and forth. Is that's been that's been what's let us understand the so most at most every wrestling match you're supposed to understand what the person is feeling through their body movements and through their 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 machinations and their inclinations and my you know uh, when i need when i need i'm a baby face i need the crowd to come back i lift my arm up and i you know like mm-hmm. that's what you're supposed to do but there's no crowd so how else are you supposed to get the crowd's attention or portray your emotion effectively to the crowd well the, the as you've mentioned so eloquently the beauty of the pandemic and being in this close-up space is well, i'm just tell you how i feel mm-hmm. i'm gonna tell you what i'm thinking and in this personal situation it's so beautiful and to your roman point about his voice yes roman's always had a soft-spoken voice but that makes him more dangerous when from an auditory point of view like jake the snake jake said jake would always tell people when he was talking to them i'm i don't if I yelled, I'd sound like everybody else, but I'm going to make you pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. And by being calm, it almost comes off sociopathic. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what is the difference between this story and a Godfather story? This feels mob-esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm thinking this is drama. Like, it's a film I would pay to watch or I would illegally stream to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Buy this one, bro. Buy this one at least. Yeah, it's. You've had some very emotional stories recently in WWE with Kofi Kingston. Um, even with Cody going through the stuff with MGF, like emotional stories. But in terms of maturity and seriousness, and this is time for the grown ups to, to book, book the shit. It's like, oh, this one. Like see see if there was a, a Slammy Award for Film of the Year. This would win. Like the Oscars this would win. But a close second segue time. A very close second. And I'll be honest with you, right? 
He said he'll listen back. I don't know if he does. You were a late addition. I'm very glad that you're here to talk with me about this. Mm. Because that, that, oh. <laughs> that match between Bailey and Sasha was an absolute masterpiece. I adored it. I don't know if I adored it more than the match with Charlotte Flair in the Hell in a Cell match. Because I thought I just think in general there was a bit more better acting on display from Nutcase Charlotte Flair. But this was so good. Um, so so many milestones in one one match for Sasha. Finally beats Bailey. Finally gets a SmackDown title. Finally wins a pay per view match. Finally wins a Hell in a Cell match. She's now knocked off all the horsewomen in some form or another. She knocked Bailey off the perch, who's been on that perch for over a year. That was a big, big deal, that match. If if Drew and Randy wouldn't have went to the top of the cell, I would be upset this didn't main event. Mm. Um, I think nobody, nobody would have been disappointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, everybody knows this match is going to be fantastic, right? I think everybody mm-hmm. knows that. But something about Sasha Banks that, more than any other wrestler I can think of in recent memory, that overshoots expectations. Uh-huh. Like, if you leave her to her devices and say, this is what we're going to do, we need you to do this, we need you to go out there and you this, you can do what you want, this and that, and she kills it every time. And you know, especially the big Bay- matches. The big, the big matches. She particularly, br- yes. Yeah, Ronda Rousey. I mean, that was Asuka, a, Asuka yeah. Charlotte, Becky. She, I, she, she's fantastic, and Bailey is her is her like her wrestling life partner. So. And, and um, listen, I've I've been a critic of Sasha over the years. I really have, but see, in terms of see, you, you think of you think of the Dudleys and table matches. You think of Edge mm-hmm. and ladder matches. Sasha Banks loves a Hell in a Cell match. She might not win them, but she has put on some. That's three bangers in a row. I think Sasha loves to bump. She loves the bump and she loves structures because she was really good in the two chamber matches she's been in as well. Yeah. Well, she she's a real wrestling savant, so she 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 is as as true to earth is a daughter of Eddie Guerrero's legacy because mm-hmm. Eddie was a guy that could look at a situation and say, "Okay, we're gonna flip this and we're gonna do this because I see we can do this with that because this is here," like. Not not every wrestler can do that, you know. Like what Rollins and Ambrose did with the lumberjack match. There's never there's been one good lumberjack match in history, and it was Rollins and Ambrose. The yep. rest are trash. Yep. You know, Sasha has that. So when you have a structure to jump off of, or to climb, or to do extra things with, like um, in the match with Be- in the match with Becky, putting the chair up with the kendo sticks, and then getting drop kicked drop kicked on the chair, sitting up high on the cage. Yeah. This one, the meteor off the steps through the cha- through oh, the table. Like it, the things. Who thinks of that? And but they do. 
the the meteora specifically that is a move she's botched many a time right but these were riskier the table one was beautiful the the one off the ladder near the end that looks oh. devastating like I, th- I thought Bailey was injured it looked that brutal but there was the drop toe holds onto the, the kendo sticks the catapults onto the kendo sticks the the you mm-hmm. you know that you know that I'm a, a big fan of innovative use of furniture oh so good the use of furniture was so so good the chairs I completely agree yeah. the chairs with the penis uh, spray painted on it one and oh but sure sure look like a penis um, and see as well sorry I know I'll probably go off in a few but I, I just enjoyed it so much Bailey realised the stakes were high as well because throughout this pandemic era she's been sarky and snappy at Cole because she can hear what Cole's saying and she tells Cole to shut up or parrots him and I can't remember exactly what Cole was saying but Cole said because of Bailey because of Bailey and Bailey screamed like sitting on the floor next to the, the ring because of Bailey that's right because of Bailey it's like you've lost it like you know Bailey that the shit's hit the fan like I know it's funny, it is funny, but she's she's done she's done with Cole. She can't even. I mean, obviously this was a shoot, but she couldn't get the candlesticks duct taped together. But she's she, my hands are sweaty. Will you touch oh, me? Oh my me? god! <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic, and it fits the character. Like that's the best part. I like know. that. That wasn't something that that wasn't Pam talking. That was really Bailey. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't do this. You need to do this for me so I can hurt mm-hmm. her. And when the, the, when she got the cell tape rounds, the two things, and it just looked so bad. <laughs> and she's like, oh, "Fuck this." <laughs> oh, I, you, I'm glad you took. I'm glad you went went this route because as much as Sasha, give her all the flowers. We got to show love to Bailey. Oh, of course. Because Bailey may have been the MVP of WWE in the year 2020 in general. I think there's been Every, there's a there's a short list, but she's definitely in the conversation. She's she's been on every show. She's been on every pay per view. She's been she's wrestled every star. She's had every big match. She's done everything asked, and with Sasha, of course, everything asked of her. Um, but. More importantly, this is the year, because it hasn't been a full year, she's had this change, mm-hmm. character change. And she's had to completely reinvent herself as a character, the character which made her worldwide popular in fame and money, right? And a good portion of it in front of no people. Mm-hmm. And she just gets better and better and better and better every night, every week, every month, every show, every pay-per-view to the point where she can, normally the heels in a match are the leaders. They're the ones that kind of lead the match, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to the point where she could do what she did in that Hell in a Cell, put over her best friend in a very, I mean, th- that finish was dominant. Oh. As, 
as a we'll we'll talk the call about back, that. the call back Not to the yet. Brooklyn match. Oh Christ! <laughs> you know, but it, I just I don't think Bailey gets enough love as she deserves because we're gonna we're gonna give Sasha the love for this match as is deserved. But like it takes two, and Sasha cannot have do. Can, Sasha could have done anything she did if Bailey wouldn't have. Uh, Bailey would have walked with their lock and step mm-hmm. and built herself up to the point where we even give a damn that Sasha's doing all this, mm-hmm. right? So it, I just think Bailey's fantastic, and I, I just want to make sure I gave her enough of love on the show. And the the sort of tease of the fourth wall breaking as well, where Bailey kept calling her a crybaby, probably referencing not only the the attack on the neck but the hotel room. Ryan Sadden. Wanker, but the I just think Bailey, yes, many plaudits, but this was the this was like the the end of a movie for Sasha, and the the, the film was the last five years. Yeah, um, I know Bailey isn't done with Sasha, but mm-hmm. you know Sasha has to build up to Oscar for. Uh, Survivor Series and whatever we end up doing in in, in December is that but um, I'm a little disappointed Sasha won because I thought Sasha deserved off that WrestleMania moment of winning the title mm-hmm. but if there's anybody that I'm never going to complain about winning a big match is Sasha because she yeah. never does yeah that was just and the callback oh my god so for anyone who can't remember in the, the Brooklyn match, Bailey, who was coming off of a broken hand, a shoot broken hand, and during a bank statement, um, Sasha Banks was stamping down on Bailey's broken hand, and it was a striking visual, and it didn't get the job done. And Sasha Banks reenacted that, except this time with the chair round the neck, and it was the same kind of move, and this time it worked. And it was just. Which was also a call back to when Bailey tried to break her neck a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And the, the Bailey to Bailey on the ladder was a kind of a call back to when Bailey won. Mm-hmm. Won with the Bailey to Bailey. Just, I'm telling you, I don't care what anyone says. This this has been in the pipeline for five years. You, you can, yeah, you can hit me with your Okada, Tanahashi. Listen. Fucking Bailey and Sasha Banks have been writing this story for years. Well, I mean, you know, we've been waiting on Naito and Okada for like 17 or however long it's been, so mm. <laughs> this might be second, but I'm joking. Um, you know, every, Gato books everything five, six years in advance, so apparently, so they're still in Gato's booking style. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's been a few times now where I just feel as if the women are better in structures now. Cage matches in NXT, the chamber matches, the tag team chamber match, these three Hell in a Cell matches. It's as if they're obviously slighter than men. They've got more room to manoeuvre. So while it's claustrophobic, they've still got room to throw shit at the walls. Can can I... I have a... Slightly controversial take on why that may be. Okay. 
may it could it possibly be because WWE doesn't necessarily care what the women do as they care about what the men do because they know it's it's wrestling is still overtly sexist. The men are always going to be more important to the company than the, than the women are. That's just what it has been, and one day it'll change, but not yet. It's close. Mm-hmm. The women are valued. The women are pushed. The women are equal in terms of we had a problem if a woman made events or a man made events as long as we draw, right? Mm-hmm. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, the men are the, the men are the stars, right? So, of course, they're going to take more of a interest in what they're doing and try to make this, whereas the women may have a little more freedom. Yeah. In other words, they're not being um, micromanaged. And let me give let me give you some reasoning as to why I said that. That's not just off the top of my head. If you watch the um, Untold, I believe it is uh, on Bailey and Sasha at Brooklyn. Oh, I didn't know there was one. I'll need to check that out. Man, look. If you could watch any WWE documentary that they do, Untold, 24, Chronicle, 365, they're fantastic stuff. Um, but there was one on Sasha and Bailey and, and, and the Brooklyn match. And they talked about how when they were practicing for the match, all the guys would either steal their stuff or go tell management they were going to do it so they couldn't do it no more because they would say don't do it. So they just wouldn't tell nobody. So when they everything they did going into the match at Brooklyn – they never talked about. They never talked about it. They just said we're gonna go out there and just and just call it because everything else was stolen. Like they practiced the dive and and I guess the guys stooge on them and then they said no, you can't do the dive. So they just said screw it. We're just gonna go out there and we're just gonna do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being the greatest women's match of all time. Yep. So if that's what if that's become a norm or or a, an accepted kind of situation, well then. Maybe that's why they keep getting away with stuff. Yeah. Been many, many a good um, women's title match in the last wee while. And a lot of people are not happy with the four horsewomen getting all the all the spots. Sometimes, no wonder. <laughs> well, when you see a match like Sunday, you're like, yeah, exactly. I get it. Like, yeah. I mean, but to be to be fair, the four horsemen may get all the accolades, but Oscar's had a championship for like a thousand days. Alexa Bliss has like been pushed as hard as anybody in the company. Mm-hmm. Like there have been other people. Yes, I would include. If you're talking about, it's, it's been a while since Alexa Bliss was in the, the title scene, though. But with Asuka, I would include, like the four horsewomen and Asuka. They're always floating about the title scene. Yes, and you're right about Alexa Bliss, but the difference is Alexa Bliss is the only woman who's who's consistently put in the area of prominence. Mm-hmm. Alexa Bliss is in wrestling or in a, in a title match, she got a talk show. Alexa Bliss is in this, she, is not, she doesn't have a match at WrestleMania, she'll host WrestleMania. Alexa Bliss is in this, we'll give her a podcast. Alexa Bliss isn't doing this or that, we'll put her in the main event storyline for the world championship as out of nowhere. Braun and, and and Bray like mm-hmm. they continue they 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 give her the AJ Lee treatment. <laughs> well, I can't comment. I didn't see much of AJ Lee, but I think Alexa Bliss. You didn't miss that. <laughs> I think Alexa Bliss has done more. Yeah, well, it's not even a question. 
No, that that'll make some people mad on the internet. Well, good to keep listening to us then. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I kind of gushed over that match, but you you know and Ricky know that when a match, when I get with a match, I get with a match, and I got with that match. So I just had to get all that out there. And it might or might not be the the theme for my column this week, dropping on WrestlingHeadlines.com this Thursday. Like that. Wink, wink. I was going to do, but I didn't really know if it was factually correct or not. There was um, a lot of talk about the the steak dinner karaoke musical being the best wrestling segment ever, and it not actually doing well in the ratings. <laughs> like compared to everything else, so I was going to say, does rate it, do ratings actually equal quality? But I didn't know if it was true or not. The the oh, ratings thing. Oh, do that, do that. Forget you can talk about Sasha forever. Do that. I want to read that column. It's too late. I've I've already written it, and it's going out tomorrow. Oh, you know what? No, you know what? Save that for our next wrestling debate club. But we agree, though, that ratings don't equal quality. Shit. You're right. Um, okay. Um, I want. I would love to read that column because it's very, it's very, that's very poignant point. Like that. If you watch the, if you watch the segment, it's it has nothing to do with pro wrestling, mm-hmm. but it's entertaining as hell. And like, I knew, but not most people knew that MJF could really sing. So it's a really fun to watch segment. It just has nothing to do with wrestling. Mm-hmm. So, like, if the point of every segment on a show or the point of every promo on a show or the point of everything on a show that's not a match is to build towards watching the show for a match, then it failed. Mm -hmm. Because what's the point? Why why are we caring about what they're doing? What is the point of them doing that if it's not leading to a match? Now, everything in wrestling doesn't have to, but... If we're if we're gonna do this ratings deep dive and ratings are what matters and we have to compare ratings to this and ratings to that, well then the ratings are clearly a precursor to what's important on the show. Mm-hmm. They didn't do great ratings at that point. It's just I don't I don't want to put pen to paper about ratings. Like I just think it's such so pointless. But if that. If the quote unquote greatest wrestling segment since Austin Booker T the supermarket, like, and it didn't do as well as other stuff on the show, then does that not sort of give people who think the NXT are better than AEW a bit of a stronger voice? When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's a more Was that what they were? That's- is that what yeah, that's saying? not. No, that's from the Booker T. Uh, oh, right, right. Uh, I was going to try and think of a moral Ronaldo pun there. When you scream at a red lock and um, and JBL bullies you, that's a moral. Do 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 do. <laughs> that's so bad, but it's so funny. Um, speaking of that, tomorrow. Um, or whenever you hear the edge next, there was a segment on TNA where Johnny Bravo was getting married to Rosemary, and he got shot just like in the old Who Shot Jr. from Dallas in like 1979. That's getting roasted. 
So okay. <laughs> that's getting roasted. I'm just thinking of crazy segments. That's going to get roasted. Is, yes. it, is it crazier than the 10 year olds being hit and run? I think so. Because a, 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 a person was shot. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's laying on the ground with blood coming out of a bullet hole in his chest. And Tommy Dreamer goes up to him and screams, No! Yeah, it's it's worse. And, <laughs> and was it um, a serious tone? Oh, God, no. It's, it's full camp. Right. Because Akira Tozawa was eaten by a shark a few weeks ago. May, may that version of Akira rest in peace. <laughs> Good for him. He's he's doing well for himself. Uh, as as there's a basketball player who is now a uh, an analyst named Jalen Rose, mm-hmm. who coined the phrase, and I love very much. It is keep getting them checks. Yeah, Akira, keep getting them checks, bro. Yeah, and you were you were not a fan of his for a while. Was it Akira to sell what I didn't like? Mm-hmm. You said you were sick of I, him. I didn't think he was entertaining. I thought he was a great wrestler, but this this campy as uh, ninja version. While I didn't need him to go full ninja, it's still it's pretty hilarious. It's it's I'm enjoying it. Okay, that's good. Well, shout out to the big homie Brad. Big Brad Tazawa. <laughs> we were going to have the much awaited American sports quiz from Ricky tonight but since he's had to leave I don't actually have a quiz sorted for us this week Grant so I, I'm afraid to say that is okay um, I could quiz you on some American sports but I figure no I, I, I don't want to do you like that that would be a little too much um, I so in lieu of the quiz can we can we finish the show if you don't mind with some predictions? Uh, for what? NXT tonight. Okay, so bear in mind, many will be listening to this after the fact, but we did record it, and this is currently half past ten GMT on Wednesday night. So, all right. Um, do, do, do. I'm pulling it. I wasn't prepared for this. I'm sorry. It's all right. Uh, okay. So, j- just because I'm so hyped for this, like, and you know me, I'm NXT Mark. This is NXT is my baby. Um, you have Santos Escobar defend- defending the Cruiserweight Championship against Jake Atlas. When was that announced? Yesterday or today? One nah, of the two. Yeah, that, that won't change hands. Okay. I think I, I think Jake Atlas might win. Santos probably does, but I think it's a very good chance Jake Atlas wins. Mm, it seems very out of the blue. Your favorite match of the night, I'd imagine. Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes. It would be- in, in a Haunted House of Terror match. See, I'm just a bit over the cinematic stuff. Okay. It may not be cinematic. It may just be themed. Those those, those two don't necessarily have to be the same thing. That's true. And You know, a boiler room brawl is themed, but it's not cinematic. That's true. So I'm hoping it is something of that ilk. The, the cinematic stuff, it's just... 
I get it. Yes, it was very successful, but I'm not a fan of it anymore. And if I was to watch Dexter Loomis in a cinematic setting, it would be some sick um, offshoot from Pornhub. <laughs> well, so you you mean when he was Sam Shaw and he was still in Christy and Me's yeah. panties and stuff in TNA? <laughs> Stalker porn. Yes. Uh, I think Cameron Grimes will get this one. I hope Cameron Grimes does because, bro, Cameron Grimes is, as he likes to say, going to the moon. But Dexter's uh, racked up some impressive wins. Who is? Dexter. I mean, strap match with Roderick. Yeah. Um, a triple threat with Timothy Thatcher and Finn Balor. That's true. He did win that match. Huh? He chucked that Tim Thatcher. That's a, oh, and and I'm sorry. The 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 match between uh, Escobar and Atlas is a non-title. Atlas will win then, because yeah. Escobar loses quite a lot of his non-title matches. Oh, see, um, Wild and Mendoza—they've got a great tandem finisher. They're a great tag team. It's like a Russian leg sweep, kind of combined with Noam Dar's high kick finisher. Oh, so it's kind of like a high-low almost. Kind of, yeah. It's delicious. So what, um, what else have we got on the card? I got Cameron Grimes, by the way, too. Um, Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Gonzalez in the Battle of the the Hosses. Rhea Ripley. I think Raquel wins. There'll be shenanigans involved then. Probably. Ember will probably... Ember and Dakota will probably come out. It'll be a, it'll be a thing. Yeah. Uh, and and Rhea's going to the main roster, I think, sooner rather than later. So you know, you leave on your back. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then both these matches are spin the wheel, make a deal matches. So whatever Shotzi spins is what the matches will be. Uh, Io Shirai defending the women's championship against Candice LeRae and Damian Priest defending the um, the North American championship against Johnny Gargano. I think at least one of them is going to be like see when you saw the wheel that the Candices the, the Candices the Larays had in their house one of the options was Shotzi's choice mm-hmm. did you notice that? I did notice that so I think one of the one of the spins will be rigged so that Shotzi gets to pick the stipulation probably for the women's match you know what's interesting to me though like I know it's Halloween Havoc, but like, did you see some of the the, the the types of matches? A Chamber of Horror match and a Casket match and all these things you wouldn't expect in NXT. Yeah, that's why. Like, it'll be short. Say she'll pick something that's hard for Candice to win, or and she'll make, win anyway. Or she'll make it a triple threat and add herself in. No, nah, I didn't. I did not think about that. She may very well do that. Oh, imagine she won it. Uh, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be crazy, wouldn't it? Yep. Um, yeah, that's it. Um, that's the show. Pat McAfee will be back uh, with 1-2. That's, um, that's the only Patrick I can accept in wrestling right now. <laughs> that's the only one? I think it's great that he's back. 
Uh, I do too. And he's instantly made everything with the era interesting again. He's made Danny Burch and Only Lorcan finally interesting outside of their matches. So good, so good. Um, them. And I and I did you see the he did a little promo on his Twitter mm-hmm. responding to somebody uh, for like two and a half minutes explaining everything, explaining how he he kind of hitched his horse to Rich Holland, bought him the Mercedes, paid him all this money. Rich got hurt, and then he figured, okay, well, I... And actually, he starts off talking about how um, he gave Adam Cole credit for beating him. You know, he made rookie mistakes. So, you know, after the match, he thought, okay, you know what? You beat me. You beat me. I messed up. Come shake my hand like a man, and Adam Cole decided to celebrate, which pissed him off even more, which made him want to go back and get him back, mm-hmm. which is why he went to the Rich Holland thing, got a bigger, faster, more good-looking version of himself, Rich Holland got taken out, so who else can I get to take out the, uh, the error? So I'm going to call the guy that took out the guy that I p- paid to take out Adam mm-hmm. Cole and Oni Lorkin, which led to Oni, and that, that, it, it was so beautiful put together. It was, it was. Machiavellian. So- uh, Machiavellian? Oh. Oh. They need to put that in a t-shirt. Look, everything else on T-shirt. Why not? Machiavellian. That sounds like you've got a blood disorder, though. <laughs> it does. It sounds so bad. <laughs> so like I need to be hospitalised. See when I th- see and listen to Pat McAfee, I hear Michael Rapaport when he was in Friends as the the, the policeman, the cop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they 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 don't necessarily look a whole lot alike, but they talk a lot alike. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yes, so I understand. that injected a bit of um, interest into NXT. Pat McAfee, McAfeelian. That's fucking brilliant, man. Well done. Thank you. That was that was my Clive moment. Mm-hmm. I had my Clive moment off air with Christina Aguilera. That was hilarious, and you. It took you about fifteen minutes to get there, but when you did, the payoff was worth it. Yeah, <laughs> that is my gimmick with my one line, uh, my jokes that the. It's like a Randy Orton match. It takes forever to get going, and then it's over before you know it. RKO, baby, yep. out of nowhere. Yep. <laughs> I am the RKO of stand-up. Sorry, my phone. My phone. I was looking up stuff, and my uh, ad came up, and I didn't hear the phone started talking. What did you say? I said I'm the RKO of stand-up. Sure. <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. That doesn't sound. Yeah. That doesn't sound patronising in the slightest. <laughs> I mean, would you rather me lie? Mm-hmm. Then yes, RKO baby, the RK, the three most devastating letters in all of stand-up comedy. Now you might not get this joke. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. You might. What What is a pirate's favourite R and B act? R and B or R and B? No, no. <laughs> just just R and B. What is a, a pirate's favorite R and B act? I don't know. What is it? Ashanti. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show on the Sleep Podcast Network. You can find this. No, wow, Ashanti. Oh. <laughs> that's good. That's that's actually really funny. 
I know. That's really good. That's I like that one. That's hey. Look at that. Ending the show on a really good one for well, not for once, but for the first well, let me shut up. Yes, in the show on a good one. Yep, can you tell it's not one of my own? <laughs> yes. Yes I can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, very much. Oh, I'm disappointed we didn't have a quiz, but you know. Oh, sorry. It's not. It's not your fault. It's not Rick's fault either. You know. Yeah. Life happens. So we're we're at the plug part, and as well as your own stuff, right? You've got something quite important to plug because you were a guest on a, a specific show this week. Yes, I'm glad it finally dropped because you know he does these things like a month and a half in advance. Uh-huh. Um, but shout out to the big homie Mags. Um. I was lucky enough and blessed enough to be the final guest on his final episode of Why We Watch. Um, he he thought enough of me to to ask me to be on because I was one of his first guests. In fact, he got the idea from a show I had tried, tried to start and um, took it to heights I could have never imagined. And that dude is class personified. Um, he's fantastic. Just don't ask him quizzes about wrestling. But other than that, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, and it was my pleasure to be on that show. So please, Visionaries uh, Wrestling Network, check that out. While we watch the final episode featuring Ray Cash. Of course, you know you can find me at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in Dollars, Outsider's Edge, Three Man Weave. I've been on Bandwagon Nerds. I'm doing a few things. Uh, uh, you know, I'm officially a member of the Ransom Clive show. <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> yeah so check your boy out and I was introduced earlier as all around good guy but I'm really outsider contrarian roughneck <laughs> uh, Darren congratulations on why we watch and sad to see it go but you've obviously got many other things going on you have more projects than Cody Rhodes has had hair dye jobs that's a lot, bro. That's a lot. Telling you. Telling you. See the how out of date are those wrestling figures now? But so but that's the that's but that's the key. You wanna know why Chris Jericho kept changing his gear so much when he was in WWE? Because every time he changed his gear they had to make another action figure. Mm. <laughs> so no, I'm not going there. That's not nice. <laughs> Tell me off air, please. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have been Clive, and Ricky was on earlier. We have been the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you can find other shows such as One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, uh, Grown Men Watch the Match Generator, Grave Consequences. All Things Elite and 8-Bit Suplex Wrestling Podcast. Give us a five-star review on your podcast app of choice. You can get these podcasts as well as the columns that we do on socialsuplex.com. If you want, you can get those sent directly to your email inbox by pressing the subscribe button. Go over to prowrestlingtees.net and you can get some Social Suplex t-shirts and other merch there, I believe. On the show notes, you've got where you can get that on the show that you've also got a donate button I'm still looking for a webcam people uh, and as you've heard from the glorious stand up tonight that if I get £20 sterling 
there will be a half hour wrestling stand up podcast specifically sent to your email inbox I'll be sliding into your DMs quicker than some wrestlers have in the last few months oh my god oh wow <laughs> I don't know what's worse that the joke or you just you're offering that for just 20 pounds sterling <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the pound, I don't know what's just, the that's pound, pretty low. This pound sterling's quite weak at the moment, isn't it? It's a little bit, yeah. A bit, <laughs> a bit like my comedy. Oh, I don't. Yeah. Um, we are, you can get us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group and we are at Ricky and Clive on Twitter. Rance, thank you very much for joining us tonight. My pleasure, sir. And we will speak to you next week. Thank you for listening and good Thank night. Thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next time. See you next time.